Hey, it's Michael here from the Oilers Live podcast coming to you live. This time it is uh, Oilers Live doing us. And I've got uh, my first guest uh, for Tuesday's 6 p.m. slot, 6 p.m. MST, Mountain Standard. I've got Josh Bolton. He's from the, uh, well, he's the man behind Tough Call Pod. So first things first, if you're not already following him, I want you to go to the Twitter and just type in Tough Call, Tough Call Pod and give him a follow. I have uh, enjoyed the content you've put out and enough so that I thought I'd uh, ask you on the air. Uh, so uh, welcome. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I'm uh, happy to be here. Yeah. So awesome stuff that uh, whoop, we uh, we got a chance to uh, finally chat and, and do something uh, live here and talk some hockey. And we've got lots of different things happening. Um, first things first, I, I want to talk about Tough Call Pod because uh, I've been following you for a little while now. You put out uh, tons of content. You're obviously right into uh, what's going on on the ice in terms of officiating, player safety, that type of thing. Give us kind of a little bit of a background uh, about the Tough Call podcast. Uh, it's, it's a little bit more frustrating now when I go on the serious side of things. It started off as a little fun thing when, uh, when uh, Zidane Chara turnbuckled Max Pacioretty. Uh, a lot of my friends had some things to say about that, and we got into some great banter about whether it was dirty, whether it was intentional. And I thought, well, we have opinions and uh, let's find out if someone else has an opinion. I just, I just put it out there into the universe and uh, basically just to have them say whether they thought I was right or my friends were right, that sort of thing. And uh, as I got more and more into the development side of hockey, I'm, I'm heavy into minor hockey. I coach a lot and I'm the development coordinator for our minor hockey association. And I actually am a certified checking clinic instructor for Hockey Nova Scotia under the Hockey Canada model. And some of the things I saw on the ice that players do all the time uh, are just ridiculous, especially at the NHL level. And what I say to a lot of people is, you know, they say they're hockey fans, but really they're just NHL hockey fans. And if they watch any other hockey, you start to see that that's not allowed, especially at minor hockey. We're teaching kids not to do a lot of this stuff and to control their emotions and be better people. And then at the NHL level, it's all bets are off. So I, I really, I, I feel like with all the concussions and a lot of the problems that they're having, it's, it's so easy to solve. And it's just, it seems like almost like they just don't want to now. That's the point where I'm at. So, so Tough Call Pod is just a, a documentation of that, um, what I see, what I would do about it, and, and just trying to get enough people on board to start finally pressuring the NHL to be, to be a little better, a little more consistent. At that's that's basically my whole mission. Yeah, and so it, along with that mission, you've got another uh, Twitter account that you've set up, which you're basically, in essence, you're saying if I was the uh, director of player safety uh, or head of player safety, these this would be my calls. What's what's the name of that one? It's at NHL That's, calls. Uh, I just started that this year. It's it's at NHL call. And uh, the reason I started that is because I started a YouTube channel this year where I actually made my own Department of Player Safety videos where I say, like, this is the incident. Here's because I had a I have a, a podcast that's audio only. And if you don't know the clip I'm talking about, it's difficult to understand what I'm saying. And so it's just easier to explain it with a video. But I never really I, I didn't want to put the work in, to be honest. But now it's worth <laughs> it to me to put the work in. 
So I've started, I, I mean, I'm not technologically advanced or anything, but I figured out how to make a video and do some things to it. So it's, it's been a lot of fun that way to grow as a person learning the technology. And of course, I'm putting out these videos. And uh, the difference that I do want to make clear is um, in my videos, my system isn't based on what I think the NHL Department of Player Safety is going to do. I'm not trying to predict what they're doing. I'm not even actually saying what they should do. I'm saying what I would do if I was in charge. So a lot of my suspensions or punishments are, are significantly more than the NHL probably should do based on their current standard and probably are limited to not even doing based on the collective bargaining agreement with the NHLPA. It's like, I'm, I'm not saying that, that what I'm saying is what they should be doing and how dare they. But I developed my, my own system with my own guidelines and my own rule book. And that's the, the principles I follow. I say, you know, I would give this person eight games where they only get two games or a fine in the real NHL. And like I said, I'm not saying the real NHL should give eight games, but under my system where you've educated the players and you've called it to a certain standard, you're under the assumption that the NHL would, would call things as tightly as I want them in general. So the players would already have the message. They shouldn't do that. Then you can go harder off. But so you're suggesting consistency. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. All yes, right. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll start there. Uh, okay. Uh, there's one thing, you know, and, and before we talk, you know, some current events and some current hockey, uh, you, um, you differentiate in how you view a hit, right? Versus a charge versus a couple of these things. Maybe explain that right. to those listening in. Well, uh, without getting too much into it, uh, basically Rule 48 for me has changed everything to the point where all, people only look at head contact. That's, they say, oh, he didn't even catch the head. That's not a penalty. Or in other cases, it's a nice clean check. But then they say, oh, well, he hit the head. It should be a penalty. But to me, looking at the result, focusing on the result only, has completely taken us away from, from looking at what causes the problem in the first one, the technique, the approach, the purpose behind what people are doing so to me there's a difference between a hit and a check a check is a hockey play and you, sometimes the check doesn't even have contact you're steering guiding angling all the skills that we teach to deliver a check all the way up through to bantam before there's even contact hockey all the things you're allowed to do that that require you to be a good skater a good positioner you know that sort of thing all the the, the proper hockey things and then eventually you advance to the contact whereas as we all know, players, there's some players out there that just want to get a hit. In. They don't care if the player's ready for it. They don't care if it makes sense in the context of the game. They just need to hit somebody. And with that mindset, when you go in, of course, when a player turns their back, you're going to hit them anyway. You're not prepared for it because you've already decided you're going to hit before the player's even done anything. So if you go in with a checking mindset where you're, you're looking at the puck too and all that, they, then you're not necessarily automatically going to make contact unless it's there to be made. That's, I really think we need to get back to the reason for why we even have hitting a hockey in the first place. I think we forget why sometimes, you know? Yeah, no, I, I mean, that's a, that's a good point. Right. And, and also I think it, it goes beyond, right. Just monitoring what the NHL is doing, but it has to start, you know, at, at the level you're talking about, which is early on and, and those discussions, I, I know over the years, I mean, they've been trying to accommodate that. It, it seems it gets, it gets lost somewhere uh, in the delivery. Um, like, where do you think that happens? I think the problem is that people think there's such a big change 
when you get to Bantam and you're allowed to hit. In Canada, it's Bantam. I don't know what it is in the States, to be honest, but in Canada, it's Bantam. You're 13 years old. You're not allowed to check or make contact. It's always a penalty, penalty, penalty. You're not, no one's working on it because you're not allowed to do it. So when you get to the age where you're allowed to hit, all of a sudden it's, it's like a completely different universe. So there's no holds barred. It's kill or be killed. And that's the mentality they go into it. Whereas really all the skills you need to do a proper body check are the things that the fundamentals you should be taught right from the first time you learn how to skate. You should learn how to be able to turn properly. You should learn how to keep your stick on the ice and your head up. You should learn how to protect yourself, but you should also learn how to make proper contact with the purpose of separating your opponent from the puck and that's it. So by the time you get to the age where you're allowed to make contact, you've already made contact enough times that it, it's not such a transgression that all of a sudden you, you get to go headhunting things. The mentality is, is behind hitting should be the same at the lower levels. So it's funny because a lot of people think, oh, you want hitting out of hockey. You want the contact to be gone. No, in, in fact, I don't. And actually, I think there should be more of it at the younger levels. I just think that the difference between no hitting and hitting shouldn't be so astronomical. There should be similar amounts of contact with a little bit more advanced aggression as you get older, but it shouldn't be with the purpose of like a tactic to headhunt or injure or intimidate. That's, that's where they lose. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, you know what? I get that. That makes, uh, makes perfect sense. And, um, you know, I love your way of thinking. As I said, I've been following uh, tough call pod for, for a little while now. And I, you know, I always, in, in fact, uh, to the point, Josh, that when I, um, when I see something that happens, I go right away to see what your take is on it. Um, I, now I, that's not to say I've always agreed, but, uh, for the right. most part, you know, I, I, um, you know, I like to hear what you have to say and why. And, uh, so we're going to talk, let's, uh, let's talk some current hockey. And, and of course we've yeah. got the Stanley cup playoffs and, and I feel that as, as you know, and everybody feels is, um, there's a different standard of officiating in the, in the Stanley cup for whatever reason, when that happened. In fact, uh, last night while I was watching the game, I, I began to wonder like, has it always been like that? And, and to my recollection, it has been like that for as long as I can remember, um, so, you know, I guess the, um, you know, the, uh, the, the thought is why and, and uh, why do we allow it to persist? But, uh, you know, as, in terms of uh, what's going on right now, right, we, ha we have a game last night that got a little bit out of hand in, in uh, Tampa Bay and, and the Islanders. And, and you can expect when a game gets to, you know, that four nothing plus uh, what turns out to be eight nothing kind of game. And it happens in men's league, as you know, uh, likely it happens in, in any, in any sport, it starts to get a little bit chippy, uh, Barzell goes and cross checks, um, who was it? Uh, I can't remember now who on, on Tampa, but cross checks him so more or less in the head, right? He did it once yes. earlier on in, in the playoffs, um, so what's your thought on that? I mean, you, um, I think, it, I think the first time he did it, you thought it should have been an automatic suspension. If not, I think you were quite harsh in what your uh, thought I, process was on it. Now, again, I want to be clear that I don't expect the real NHL to go as hard <laughs> as I, <laughs> but in my, 
NHL cross-checking is a, is a big one. Cross-checking has been a vendetta of mine. I think every month when I was writing a blog, I put out an article saying cross-checking is a problem. We need to solve it now. And I think there's an, I think I've done that for the last four or five years annually. It, it's just a problem. And for me, there's no real reason, reason to cross-check anyone above the waist. Like it's, so people always say, oh, we tried to get him in the shoulder and it rode up into the face. And I'm thinking, well, why are you trying to hit anyone in the shoulder? That's not legal either. So if <laughs> yeah, you happen yeah. to hit him in the face, that's your problem because you already tried to commit a penalty anyway. But in the real NHL, of course, you get six or seven freebies to the shoulder, the neck and whatever. And so, you know, you see a guy like Barzell going at someone and when you're allowed to cross check the way they do, you expect someone coming at you to cross check. So you instinctively put your stick up to protect yourself and you give it back before the other player can get it. And suddenly you're the bad guy. Um, but in this case for, for Barzell, I, he was obviously the aggressor. He went way too far, hit him in the face. And people are going to say he dove. And I know people are saying that he dove, he's faking, he's laying on the ice trying to draw a penalty. But if you don't cross-check someone in the face, they can't suck the referee into giving you a penalty for cross-checking someone in the face. <laughs> yeah, no. That's where I'm at. <laughs> you dug uh, your own 100%. Brain. I, you know what? I couldn't agree more. And I, you know, I guess the, the question that I have, right? Like that's, so that's, yeah. A right. If you're not, if you're nowhere near his head, then there's no diving that's going to happen. But then here's the other part to that is, um, you know, Fre Friedman's on in the intermission uh, shortly after that, and um, you know the commentary around, well, should he get a suspension? And and he's right that given uh, the history of suspensions in the playoffs so far this year, that's that's no more than a five thousand dollar fine. Right. Yeah. Um, and here's the and, and, and that in itself is the problem. Right. Is that, yes. you know, we we have now set a standard, <laughs> right, <laughs> that that you can go and, and for these guys, that's a freebie all day long. Five, five K, yeah. uh, especially given the fact that you're fighting for, you know, the Stanley Cup, which in itself gives them a nice little bonus that would cover that five K if they get there, uh, you know cross check one or two guys in the head uh it really doesn't matter right i mean there's no you know it's it's the consistency there and, and we're going to talk about that too but the other thing i like to point out is, is all the time you know as a people i think i'm kind of a stick in the mud a snowflake or whatever but that's only as the department of player safety as a player i'm not saying i wouldn't do some of the things these players do there's like you just have to expect to get punished for it. That's what I'm saying. Is the penalty worth it in my mind to do it? And at $5,000 a pop, like you said, absolutely it is worth it. Why well, wouldn't it be? Yeah, no, I, and you know what? This is their, this is their job. They're, and they're competitive individuals. Absolutely 100% at $5,000 a pop. I think uh, Bieksa said it best the other night. He said, like, you know, they've been giving out hall passes all night. He said this in the Montreal-Vegas uh, game. Right. He said they're giving out hall passes. Yep. And so uh, uh, Weber took a hall pass that first, you know, the first slash to um, uh, who was it now? <laughs> Jeez. Uh, you, but you, was that you know, the that, it was no sec. Yeah. 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 No sec. Yeah. Uh, he, and, and after, you know, he takes the, uh, the check behind the, uh, from behind, then he gives him a little slash and, and Bieksa says, you know, he gets a hall pass on that. He did get a hall pass until of course he, he pulled the helmet off, but it should never be allowed to get to that stage. So, so I, you know, I, we're, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but you know, this is the, um, this is the standard that they've, 
they've sat and continue to sat throughout the playoffs. A hundred percent. And the, like the one thing that bothers me though is, um, I mean, it all bothers me, of course, but <laughs> if, if you get hit from behind, then you cross check the player and there's no penalty. Then you give a slash. So that person slashes you back. Then sometimes they go back and call, okay, well, I'll give you a slash, but now all of a sudden the first slash is a penalty. But really, it, so it's coincidental because you slashed him and you slashed him, so you both get one. But if he'd have called the first slash to begin with, I never would have retaliatory slashed anyone. So they shouldn't cancel <laughs> yeah. each other out. Either the first one was a penalty or it isn't. So if it wasn't, then take the one guy only. Don't even it up. And, and I don't know. It just seems weird what they pick and choose or try and manage the game. I don't get it. Yeah, the, it's the game management that uh, <laughs> that is the hard part. So we'll get on to officiating right away. Let's um, yeah. let's chat uh, about the Islanders and um, and Tampa Bay. Uh, your thoughts so far on this series? It's been pretty good hockey when they've been allowed to focus on the hockey. I I think there's a couple of people on Twitter that always say, you know, it's too bad we we had such a great game and all we talk about is the officiating. Yeah. But as far as far as the series goes. I think Tampa is controlling the series in such a way that when they're on, they should beat the Islanders just like they did the other night. And then when they don't play well, the Islanders are just good enough and consistent enough like robots. They play the same way. So if Tampa takes the night off, the Islanders are always going to capitalize on it. Whereas Tampa can turn it off and on as they please. So I think in, in some ways they control their own destiny and they just have to make sure that they don't, concede that by playing poorly ultimately i think the series is going the way people expect it to it's just what kind of wild card is going to be thrown in with some of the extra power plays and things like that that yeah. are going to make a difference what's changed i mean in your mind what's changed with tampa i mean they've they've clearly turned a corner uh in terms of their ability to win in the playoffs like they i mean whether they win win this series or not I mean, they are, mm -hmm. they are now a playoff team uh, and they're outstanding guys like point uh, you know, he's, he's on a, you know, a ridiculous run right now, eight, eight games. Um, you know, the, the um, it's just, it, they've, they've turned a point. I mean, is this, you know, is this the makings if they, if they win the cup this year, is this the makings of a dynasty type of team? Uh, I think it is like, I, I think we have to, put away the idea of what a dynasty was even 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, there's just so many good teams now that if you win a couple of cups in a row and get to the semifinals every year, like you're doing something right. I would say you need to cheer for at least three or four teams because there's 31 teams. They're all good. Your team's not winning the cup. I don't care how much you want it to win. Now, some teams are, but we always say like Tampa should win, but Vegas is good enough to win. Uh, Washington was still good enough to win. Toronto should be good enough. To, like all these teams that are supposed to get a cup, if they all get them, then teams are going to be left out. So when you look at the body of work that Tampa has done, like you said, whether they win this series or not, they are a playoff hardened team. And for me, it all comes from the front office down. The culture they've created in that organization. I have a friend who works for the Tampa Bay Lightning in the, in the premium seating department of all places, which was under the hot seat there earlier this year but uh for their jersey rule but anyway he uh, the, the people that work in that organization are all there for the right reasons they all have the right idea they're all on board with the same concept 
So you don't think about that. All the players have to do when they come is show up to, to the rink and play. And I was fortunate enough thinking back now as an older person who played junior hockey, all I had to do was come to the rink and play. Whereas yeah. I know some players are worried about whether their team's going to even exist or whether they're going to have any fans in the stands or that sort of thing. Like when you, all you have to worry about as a player is playing hockey, your organization is doing something right. In Tampa, all the players are just all on the same page. The coach is all on the same page. Let's just do our jobs. Let everyone else do their jobs and we're going to make it work. Whereas if you look like a team like Buffalo, which has a great roster, if you take that roster and put it in Tampa, is it instantly a better team? If it's in an environment like Tampa has created a culture, I think it is. And you, don't, you didn't make any personnel changes. You just changed the attitude and the identity. In Tampa Bay, whatever they've done there is, is just exceptional. They're the, they're the pinnacle of what a team should shoot for right now, I think. Yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting, right? I mean, you, um, you bring up something that uh, I hadn't considered is uh, if you change, uh, you know, just the, the franchise behind the team that is the Buffalo Sabres, would that make a difference, right? And, and um, you know, culture, uh, whether you're in the corporate world or playing hockey, sometimes has uh, such a big influence on, on how well you achieve uh, whatever your um, your goals and and uh, abilities are, so I, yeah, it's interesting. I I I can respect that idea, and um, you know, obviously, you have a little bit of insight, uh, you know, knowing somebody that works uh, in the organization and and how they and how they operate. I think um, you know, and and people do, uh, you know, players commonly talk about the organization, each organization, and how they're run, and and um, they've certainly got favorites and and where they love to play, where they don't love to play. Uh, we focus a lot on, on the coaches and, and the GMs, but there's so much more that goes into that from, you know, whether it's the arena, the ownership, you know, how involved they are, all the training staff. There's so many bits and pieces right around the team that it uh, certainly will make a big difference. I, I always think back to, um, I can't remember the year, but the Habs had a couple of years where they were uh, constantly um, fighting the uh, injury bug. And so they, you know, they went yeah. in and they fired all of the training staff and everybody. And, and um, you know, it, it, you know, those little things that we don't, you know, commonly think about whether or not it made a big difference. I don't know, but you know, it's, you know, is there something in the water, right? Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. others fans know, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's, um, it was, it's an interesting thought. So it's, um, that's kind of, uh, kind of neat to think about that in terms of the uh, Tampa Bay organization. I get what you're saying about the dynasty. Uh, you know, it's not the same as it used to be. I think, um, as far as the Tampa Bay lightning, it's a sore spot for me, this, uh, uh, circumventing the cap by, uh, how much they did, you know, I'm, I mean, I, I'm curious, I, I guess the only thing that that would have made a difference is, you know, um, in the regular season, right? Like the core group of these players was going to play for the lightning at some point. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, you know, that look, that, that, that core, uh, is among the best, uh, that we've seen in a long time. And, and, uh, you know, they're, they're fun to watch. They're just, uh, so robotic in how they like and how good they are. Right. It's, you know, it's um, when you watch one of those, uh, those fun movies or hockey movies or sports movies, and there's that big evil team. That's just so damn good at everything they do that right now. Yeah. That's the Tampa Bay lightning. And, and that's um, funny, yeah. yeah, they're fun to watch. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, let's uh, let's move on. We got uh, tonight about uh, 35 minutes from now, 10 o'clock for those of us in uh, Atlantic Canada, 1030 if you're in Newfoundland, uh, is the uh, Vegas Golden Knights and the Montreal Canadiens. A hell of a series so far. This kind of leads into that fourth topic, which is officiating. Um, let me ask you first, because, you know, both you and I, we don't have a horse in this race, right? You're an Oilers fan. Right. I'm an Oilers fan. Um, in a way, not, you know what, I'll, I'll just come out and say, I, I've always said that when the Oilers are out, it's, it's generally not about who I'm cheering for. It's about who I'm cheering against. Okay. And right now I am cheering against the Golden Knights and, and I'm, I'm not, and it's not even that I don't dislike the Golden Knights. It's actually that we heard all year long how awful the North Division was. And so if our fourth seed team, Montreal Canadiens, go on to the Stanley Cup, which uh, Lord help us if they win, because I don't want to, that's not something I want to, uh, I want to participate in, because uh, we'll never hear the end of it as Oilers uh -oh. fans, right? Every Habs friend that we have is going to remind us uh they already do remind us uh about being the last canadian team uh so the um you know i'm cheer i'm cheering for the habs just to prove that the north division could have cut it in fact i've got a tweet drafted and ready to send out that goes kind of like i'm not even sure the golden knights could have made the playoffs in the north division <laughs> <laughs> now that's just trolling of course they could have but but, uh, you know, I like, do you have, um, do you have a, like a team that you're rooting for or, or are you just rooting for hockey? Good hockey. You know, I, I love hockey. I do. People think I hate the game and I want to ruin it, but I love <laughs> the game. That's why I care. I want to say, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I love watching, I watch way more hockey than somebody who doesn't get paid to watch should watch ever. So, uh, you know, I, my father-in-law is a huge Montreal Canadiens fan, and he passed that on to his son, my brother-in-law. Now they have a kid who's, who's hard into it. So you would think <laughs> my son is not an Oilers fan. I failed miserably there. I don't understand it. He's oh. a Nashville fan. But uh, so I have some Habs blood. Yeah. I always, I always yeah. want worry about the Habs. I don't want them to be embarrassed. And of all the people left, in the Stanley Cup, like I kind of was rooting for Carolina at points, you know, I really want them to take the next step at some point. Uh, there's teams that I like, I wanted the Islanders to get this far. I really did. And now that they are, I'm kind of like over it. I kind of want them to stop. So the, uh, the person that I really think deserves a Stanley Cup more than anyone else that's left in, in the race is Carey Price. So I feel like for different reasons i i am kind of rooting for the habs um i was one of those people that thought the north division was kind of different it was unique at least i wasn't i won't say whether it's better or worse i just didn't know how the north division would stack up against the style of teams in in the other divisions the speed they play at but with the officiating the way it is i'm not saying that it's it's a huge advantage to Montreal. In fact, I think actually it worked out in this series to not be such a huge advantage for them, but it has changed the way teams have had to play. So um, it's, it's kind of benefited a team like Montreal, who is sort of 
somehow looking like a playoff hardened team, even though they don't really have a lot of playoff success under their belts. They're just kind of geared towards that style of play, I suppose. And it's, it's kind of working out for them. Yeah. So, you know, that's, I, that's interesting, right? Because I, I'm trying to put my finger on what's changed uh, with Montreal uh, versus the regular season. Obviously they've got Carey Price back. That's huge. Uh, Shea mm-hmm. Weber was more or less injured. Um, you know, the style of play guy, I think, you know, playoffs suit a guy like Deneau, uh more than um, more than they might suit other players. Right. Like, uh, you know, he kind of plays that well. He played he played a great you know first round. In fact, he's been, you know, a thorn in the side of, of many of the teams so far. Um, yes. You know, I but but I still I'm trying to kind of put in my head. Right. Like figure out. Uh, how it's how they're different right like how they've um, come to do what they're doing and and they they just seem to be putting it all together at the right time do you think though that they have what it takes to uh, get past Vegas like that I think last game is a heartbreaker for them because I I felt like they they outplayed Vegas 90% of the game and come out with the loss and also and we're going to get into this. I, I felt like the officiating has been a little bit uh, skewed uh, towards Montreal. And I try to, you know, look at that, not with my um, North division glasses on right now, but it mm-hmm. just, you know, I, I get a kick out of the New York saints like that <laughs> comment. Um, uh, but I'm thinking of the Vegas saints right now, right? Like they, you know, I, I, I cannot for the life of me, I like, I agree officials should not manage the game, but there is no team that I have ever watched in my life of watching hockey that could get through a whole game without taking a single penalty, especially at this level, right? Where the guys are this good. And, and you know, you've played junior hockey, right? Like you are going to hook or you're going to hold or you're going to do something because you're going to try to stop a goal from happening or you're going to try something. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for a team to get through uh, one game and almost really a whole series without <laughs> and play the way Vegas plays. <laughs> I mean, we're going to talk about that. But anyway, my first question is, do you think they can get by Vegas? Do you think Montreal can get by Vegas? I, I think they can. Uh, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Vegas won. I'm not saying that, but I, I also wouldn't be that surprised if Montreal won. Um, the thing that I thought might hold them back is, is getting enough goals. I, I, I'm very pleased to see that, um, you know, it's not all Carey Price. Carey Price is playing exceptionally well, don't get me wrong. Uh, but you can't say that the only reason they got that far is because they're riding a hot goaltender. And I really respect the heck out of that. They're, they're getting contributions from different people at different times. And I suppose... You know, when you look at the, the Leafs, they got these veterans. They, they got uh, Foligno, you know. They, they picked up these players that were supposed to help them along the way. And did they or didn't they? I'm not going to sit here and debate that. I'm just going to focus on Montreal. They're doing well. You know, you got Stahl and you got Perry. And, and you look at the, dif- the only difference between the players the Leafs picked up and the, the players the Canadians picked up are all the Canadians players have won Stanley Cups. And the ones yeah. that the Maple Leafs picked up have not. And I'm not a big, I'm not a big believer in wasting a roster spot just for 
the the older you know influencer that guy in the room i think they still have to be able to play but boy are those guys playing too and and that's uh, like the the depth that they acquired is coming through in spades for them more so than probably they even expected honestly i got uh, people outside Corey perry's people's favorite player when he was the most hated guy like even two years ago well, i still hate but, the guy but man you know, like <laughs> I mean, I mean, Corey, Corey Perry is kind of, yeah. I mean, he's public enemy number one in oil country. Right. But, uh, but man, oh, you know, sure. I, I always think to myself and I've said it, uh, you know, on the pod, you know, I feel like a million times, the guys I hate the most are the guys I want on my team. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Corey Perry is, is right up there. The, the only exception to that rule might be, uh, Kessler, I, I probably um, I probably wouldn't have Kessler on my team at any um, at any given time. Uh, but Corey Perry, I mean, that guy, you know, uh, I, I don't know what to say about him. He just he provides a presence uh, to every team. Him coming out. You talk about culture on a team, right? Mm-hmm. Like him getting sticked in the face. And every, we, we're going to keep going back to this officiating topic today. And I know you're, we're not trying to ruin the game for anybody, but, but the fact that, that he goes out, gets stitched up and comes back, right, to, uh, you know, be high-fiving everybody at the bench. Uh, and he looked like shit, right? Like, he, you know, he's, uh, yeah. he's hurting. And, and, um, but, man, like, you know, a real veteran, uh, really good at what he does. Um, you know, always, always like, it doesn't matter where he's playing in the lineup, right? First, from the first line to the fourth line, um, you hear, you hear him, like, you know, he's been in the game, right? You know, he's part of the game and he's always mixing it up and he's doing things. And he, he does play on the line sometimes, but I actually think when I say that, I think he's one of those guys that plays on the line that doesn't go over as often as you might think, right? Like he just plays a really hard game, right? Yes. I hate to play against him. Uh, yeah. I've had it in for him since he beat Sidney Crosby in the, in the Memorial, whatever <laughs> yeah. the, uh, the, the CHL championship is. I can't believe I can't remember the name of that. Trophy. Yeah. Memorial anyway, cup. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. he, uh, ever since then, I've been following both of those players careers quite heavily. And, uh, I tell you, I got, I really respect where Corey Perry's ended up and it was the stuff of legends when he came back and started high-fiving people and all and you know he gets stick like that I mean his first thought isn't ow my face and what am I gonna do his thought is come on man give our team a power play like exactly yeah (laughs) (laughs) if I'm gonna look like this let it be for a reason come on yeah oh man and that that uh, (laughs) that was just awful I don't know. Uh, I don't know what more to say about that. Um, okay, let's let's talk about officiating in this series because I've been sort of dancing around it. Yeah. First off, do you feel it's skewed one way? And I and I don't say that meaning like I'm not a conspiracy theorist, so I don't think Gary Bettman made a call and told the officials. But I've but I've always felt certain teams get away with more calls, mm-hmm. and and I've I've never been able to figure it out but there's gotta be something to it, right? Like there's gotta be, you know, there, and you know, I'm sure at times it's been the Oilers, right? I like, I don't want to say that it's, you know, but it feels like certain teams play a style of play that the officials just seem to let them get away with. 
and other teams when they retaliate or they and and here's to you know you to your one of your points right the retaliation shouldn't be necessary but when they retaliate that's that's the team that gets end up ends up getting the call um so it's a kind of a two-parter right um you know what's what is your thought uh, on the officiating has it been one-sided well, just give me your give me your lowdown on this because there's a lot to unpack here. But what's your thought? It's hard to contain it to a thread like of topics because you do tend to get dragged down some sort of rabbit hole. Yeah, uh, I'm not a conspiracy theorist in terms of the league pushing for a certain team to win or not. I, I agree with you there, uh, but Vegas did get away with an awful lot against Colorado as well. That series was going Colorado's way. Next thing you know, games five through seven, they didn't take many penalties at all. Um, and so here they are against Montreal. And I will, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I think there is something to the Chris Lee uh, vendetta against the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, a particular official has seems to do a lot of Canadian games. And when he does them, they seem to not go the Canadiens way. And uh, from my, what I understand, he is not officiating tonight's game. So I'm very curious to see how that goes. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't like to point fingers or name names, but there, there's just a history there that it's, you know, I'm not going to tell you that's what it is. I'm just saying it's curious enough that somebody might want to look into it. It's, and just <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. open some doors. I'm not going to go open some doors, but I, I'd like to see them open maybe and find out some things. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink, right? You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, have a look. You know, I mean, I, there's officials that every team has a hate for, right? And um, and you know yeah. what? I'm all right hating an official as long as they're calling an even game. I think right. though, I think you're 100 percent right. I think um, look, there, there's, there's the human factor to officiating. Just like, you know, as much as as a fan, well, it's the same reason why they would never have an, a, a Canadian official officiating a Canada US uh, gold medal game. Right. Right. Yeah. Same same reason, because the worry or uh, and maybe some of its perceived bias, whatever it is, there is a there is the thought that they could be biased and I believe they could be. Right. Mm -hmm. Just like, you know, if if Chris Lee has a bias that um, has become noticeable over time, which it sure as hell seems that way. Right. <laughs> uh, you um, you know, you, you need to get them, remove them from that situation, um, you know, put in somebody else. The league has, you know, a lot of officials. I, I know there's some challenges with probably quarantining, among other things, and, and COVID creates all sorts of new challenges. Um, but look, this is, um, I, I'll keep saying it. Uh, I, I don't know a team in the NHL that could ever go a full game without one penalty, right? Especially like it, at that level, like you said, like with the stakes that high, you're going to do, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, they say. And <laughs> that's, like, that's exactly it, right? And the, yeah. the Canadians are good enough that they put those players into a position where they've had to do things that are, I mean, it's not like we're making this up. Like people watch the game. They've seen things that are penalties and things that have been called in other games. It's not like we're just inventing incidents. They're, they're there. You see them. Right? <laughs> so why aren't they being called? I, I don't know. That, uh, you know what, that's 100% uh, the thing. That's the, um, 
that's what it boils down to is, you know, they watch other, other games. They, they know, you know, the other, the other piece to this, and, and this kind of goes, you know, and this is probably why I, I, I totally agree with you. I don't think you're trying to ruin the game. I think you're trying to get to a point that we're all, we'd all like as fans, especially Oilers fans, I think, because we've got, you know, pretty special player in, in Connor McDavid. And yeah. in fact, you know, I mean, you could go back to um, uh, to Wayne Gretzky. He put up with the very same thing, and and we screamed then, and and so I'm, and that's why I kind of feel a little bit hopeless that we'll ever get it changed. In fact, it was worse then, I think, in some ways. Um, but the uh, I, I do think the enforcer rule had a little bit of a change, <laughs> uh, you know, change to that. Anyway, point being is that you know everybody says well that people be in the box the whole time. I, you know what? They won't be because the players will adjust, right? Like the players will adjust. I, lo- I love when people say, uh, well, if, if I give a suspension or I was like, well, what about that hit? And I'm, and I'm like, yeah, got that one too. Like I'm, you, you got to call them all. And there was the thing about the cross check, like with Barzell last night. And, and I put out a tweet. I can't remember exactly how it went, but, but, Oh, cause people are saying, well, he dove. And so you, they're all on board. Oh yeah, sounds reasonable. Get rid of all cross checks. I like what you're saying there. Oh, but not that one because he dove. Oh, but not that one. That one though, really, there wasn't much force there. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that one. The guy turned his back, and it's like, okay, like, st- stop making excuses. Either you want them all called or you don't. It's still a cross check. Like you have to call a penalty. There was that one cross check by uh, McNabb to the back of Lakinen, and and they're all like, oh, Lakinen turned his back. Well, okay, but if he'd have done that to his front, it still would have been a penalty. <laughs> like so the turning didn't really have any bearing on whether or not it's a cross check so like you just call it call them all and like you said they'll stop doing it and if they don't they deserve to be in the box anyway because they shouldn't be able to gain an advantage without well, illegally so yeah if, hey if look you end up you in a power play all game that is what it is you know a good example uh for instance is is um and, and maybe it's not a great example but it's still it's still an example you can play men's hockey at a competitive level without hitting right yeah and the and and i've played against guys that have played in the nhl at uh you know senior level hockey i've played against Mm -hmm. guys that have played in junior that were used to a game where you could hit they get out there and they still play a competitive game they play a hard game don't get me wrong right like they're they take every every inch that they can get but they don't full-on like blow somebody up middle of the ice ever Right. In fact, they yeah. are so good. And, and you know this, Josh, because you've played high level hockey. You know that uh, if you're playing, it's, it's easier to play high level hockey and not get hurt at, in the men's levels because guys know they can control themselves. Right. Yeah. So they can damn well at the NHL level control themselves enough to <laughs> know. Right. Like, you know, you get high stick less, you play higher levels, you get high stick less right? You don't get high stick more, you know, you get high stick less. And uh, it's because guys can control themselves. And we're talking, you know, a level that's, you know, four or five levels below NHL. uh, And guys can control themselves, they sure as hell can control themselves in the the NHL. And they just need to start calling that. Mm -hmm. And it will happen over time. And in fact, it'll happen quickly right when you when you've got Connor mcdavid and leon drysettle getting 10 penalty uh, 10 power plays in the first game of the season you can damn well guarantee 
that guys aren't going to be doing that, right? Like they're not going to want, you know, Connor McDavid and Leon dry on the power play 10 times the next game. So well, yeah, yeah, they'll adjust. Look at the standard for holding. This is a penalty in some cases. Yeah. That's the standard <laughs> for holding. Cross check yeah. the guy in the face. Oh, well, he got you earlier, so no problem. Oh, you're in front of the net? Oh, that's yeah. just a battle. Front of the net. You can do anything you want in front of the net. That's no problem. Oh, but if you grab the stick, oh, holding the stick. Like, I mean, come on. We uh, When we play gentleman's hockey, I mean, it's not not physical. It's it's definitely still physical. But for me, I always the ones that always get me are the ones where you actually go over top of the puck to finish a check on a guy. It's like the puck is right at your feet. You can skate away with it, but you, yeah. you actually avoid it to make your hit. And then we say, well, like you said, these are the best players in the world. So why are the people who are, who are their job is to hit people and they play in the best league in the world. And if they hit so much, they have like 300 hits. They should be the best at hitting, right? But they're always <laughs> the right better. Yeah, yeah. I don't get it. So like well, you say to your point, Josh, they are the best though. They are the best at hitting, right? They are the best at all this. They have the control to do it. They 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 are. You're a hundred percent right. They can control it, and we should demand it and expect it of them. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, it's uh, it is funny. I I do get. You know, I I understand. There's some level uh, that there's a concern, right? That if you start to change these things, that you'll change the outlook of the game, and you know, the, the reality is though, is that the players like everybody else, they know that they can hook and hold in the preseason and it'll make for an ugly preseason. But by the time the regular season comes along, that changes. And then by the time the playoffs come along, that changes, right? So it's, it's like, in, in as a player, you know, that, you know, if, if you don't know that you haven't been paying attention, right? <laughs> Because it's been that way since since you and I started watching hockey, that there are, you know, three levels of three standards. There's preseason where they test things out, like they pretend like they're going to be calling hooks and holds all year long. And then that changes once the regular season starts. Well, usually they give it about two games, two, three games, right? And the players know that, right? They have to know that. As I said, they're not paying attention if they don't. And then uh, come Stanley Cup playoffs, they know again. The thing that bugs me the most is players have admittedly come out and said, we will hook and hold Connor McDavid because that's the only way we know how, right. To stop him. What and can yet you do? They, they don't, they don't call it. Like there's, there's an admission of, of guilt yeah. <laughs> and, and, and there's, and yet there's still no call. I don't want to get onto Con- the whole Connor McDavid thing too much, but it's for us Oilers fans, of course, that's near and dear to our heart. And we can, you know, we can get and understand. Um. <laughs> he's, he's a good example because he can yeah. do things right now. He can score the kind of goal that no one else in the league, the world has ever scored before because of his speed and what he can do with the pocket speed. And of course, in a 60-minute game where he plays a lot of those minutes, he is going to get eventually get free. And you are going to have to do something illegal to him. And fine, if you don't want to let him go through, that's great. But you should expect to be called for it. Like, yeah, take the penalty. A, right. It's not a yeah. crime to have to hold. It's just tell someone, oh, I, McDavid beat me, so I had to grab a hold of him. That's, there's no, you know, you're not losing any pride there. He is what he is. He's awesome. <laughs> Well, and, 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 you know, you said something that everybody's heard before. It's a good penalty to take. 
right? Right. So you take the penalty, but you know you're going to take the penalty, right? So you take it. You know, you don't, you're not, you don't hold them and expect to get away with it. You hold them and, and expect to go, you know, do your two minutes of shame and, and get out and hope that your, you know, your PK comes through for you. Uh, but you know, that it's just not the standard that they're, um, they're allowing. All right, let's, um, let's move into the final topic. We got 10 minutes before, uh, game time, I guess puck drops usually about 10 minutes after. So we probably got 20, but we'll, we'll shut her down (laughs) in about 10. Uh, But first I want to say, uh, thank you for joining me. This is the first, uh, back to the live streaming for Oilers live. And, um, I, I think I got, uh, most of the kinks out, uh, early and, uh, and then I will um, I'll release this as a podcast uh, for people to listen to uh, on audio. It's on my YouTube. So go to youtube.ca slash Oilers Live. Um, I don't think the Twitch stream actually worked, but I don't have a lot of followers on Twitch, so it's not a big deal if it did, if it didn't. Uh, it's also on Facebook. You go to facebook.com slash Oilers Podcast, and you'll find it there. And then right here on Twitter at Oilers Live. So you can stream it in a number of different areas. And, and of course, it'll be on Spotify and all the anywhere you get podcasts. It'll be there. So uh, thank you for uh, joining me back for the Oilers Live live stream. We're going to move into something I'm going to do every Tuesday, which is uh, uh, season cease comments and criticisms. Now, you had uh, one that um, uh, for those of us on the East Coast that uh, you know, we, we uh, most of us, I, and there's actually quite a few Oilers fans out here uh, in Halifax, as, as you probably know, um, uh, the Oilers once had their farm team uh, here uh, in Halifax and then uh, moved to Cape Breton. And in fact, you can still yep. get Cape Breton Oilers shirts at the, one of the local stores there. For the life of me, I cannot find a Halif- or a Nova, Nova Scotia Oilers, a Nova <laughs> Scotia Oilers jersey. Um, but, uh, if you, if you come across one, I'm, I'm willing to spend just about, <laughs> just about as much as I need to, to get one, yes. uh, but they're, uh, they're, they are quite rare book burger, uh, was quite, uh, quite popular at that time. Um, anyway, uh, what, what was my original point season C. So, uh, one of the things you brought up before we got on the air was, uh, NHL, the game center app. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm not a hard man to please, but the, <laughs> so first of all, you talk about the scheduling and how, you know, it, it says puck drop is at nine, it's nine, 10 or 10, 10, 10. Like how hard is it to start on time? First of all, how hard is it to stagger your game times so that you can watch multiple games? Oh, Someone like me wants I, to watch every game. Like, don't get me started so, on that one. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that's not even my big vendetta. I'm sorry. Uh, the, I watch like you said, we're all on the East Coast. We're Oilers fans. We're not staying up to watch every one of those games. We'll watch it later, the next day, whatever. So, you know, luckily we pay for the app. We can watch it anytime we want. That's the beauty of it. But what drives me crazy is, you know, I'll, I'll have watched some of the game usually, and I'll want to fast forward to where it was. And when I do, the time bar comes on the bottom. And if it's a close game, you know, if the time bar says four hours and 37 minutes, I know the game's gone to overtime. So it's like, I already kind of have the game ruined, even though I haven't even watched it yet. And the whole point <laughs> yeah, is to watch yeah. it fly. And if it's a two hour and 47 minute thing, well, I know if the Oilers are down by one, well, they better get two goals in a hurry or I know the game's over. So it's like, and then even if it does, even if I know it goes to overtime, I also know 
then it goes to double overtime or close to it. So there's no point watching single overtime if you're not getting the excitement out of the chances, you see. So, because you know that no one scores totally. So if they could just, the way to solve that is, I think, to make the time bar. My brother thought of this idea because he's in South Korea. He doesn't watch any games live. They're always in the morning. Oh, yeah, for sure. So yeah. we, uh, so if you had that time bar and you set it to some ridiculous amount of time, like six or seven hours or something crazy, that it's like that every game, even if the game's only two hours or two and a half hours long, then it doesn't, you don't know. You, when you look at that, you can't tell right away because all the games are like that, how long it's been. You can, you can still enjoy not know the outcome. That's one thing where, especially in this day and age where I know a lot of people consume the games that way, especially where me, I want to watch every game. I do. I try and watch as much as possible because I'm trying to cover the whole league. So I'm not, when all the games start at eight o'clock at the same time, they're all in intermission at the same time. It's hard, it's hard to watch all the games unless I watch them over the course of several days. And so that comes up for me a lot. And it would be just, it would be ni a nice feature for them to change because I got all the scores hidden and all that, but then it still gets spoiled because of that time bar. Yeah, you know, have you ever tried to call for support, by the way? <laughs> I, anyway, let me just save you some time because uh, don't do it. <laughs> well, they're they're they actually don't support the Game Center app. They don't support NHL Live. Uh, they um, it, it's one of those things where you know if you lived on the border and they didn't know who you which side of the border you lived on, that's how they treat you. So because we uh, because in Canada it's it's done through Rogers, right? Yeah. Um, but it's actually an NHL owned entity. <laughs> They, um, they kind of, uh, you know, you, you deal with Rogers as your first call. Um, but their whole job is to tell you to turn it on and turn it off again. <laughs> and if that doesn't work, you're, you're out of luck. There's really no escalation path and there's nobody you could call, uh, if you wanted to. Um, but for, uh, a certain period of, um, of this season, I was uh, re resorting to having to find alternate ways to watch Oilers hockey when it wasn't available locally. Yeah. Um, and uh, which is a shame because I pay for, you know, NHL live and, and uh, couldn't watch it. And uh, to me, you know, that type of uh, inconsistency and, um, you know, ridiculousness, uh, you know, is what drives people to illegal pirating. And, and this, you know, absolutely poor blackout idea that they have in in the nhl um you know it just it just feels uh to use a good um a good term a little bush league uh for a pro sport right that um, oh for sure yeah. i mean why are they blacking up games in a pandemic no one is going to <laughs> i know like now it's different but come on like <laughs> And, want to grow the game let's grow the game and it's it's crazy right yeah i like i don't I, yeah I, I won't get that and and it was probably one of the single source spots but having said that you know they should never be blacking out games anyway right i mean the you know what they you know it's it it's economics 101 right like you start you know throwing tariffs on stuff it doesn't help right like mm. you think you think it's going to help, but it really doesn't. It has the alternate effect, right? Which is to, you know, create um, inefficiencies, right? And the same thing goes for the NHL is you start blacking things out and you stop people from watching the game that would otherwise watch the game. 
buy merchandise, buy different things, right? Have a chance to immerse themselves in the game of hockey, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, um, and you have the alternate effect. You have folks that, right, turn away from the sport who uh, would have otherwise been real fans. And um, I, I just don't get it. I, I understand the advertising, but the NFL seems to do fine. And they don't, um, you know, and, uh, to my knowledge, they don't have any blackouts. I don't think they do. Maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like if I could watch any NFL game at any given time on a Sunday, right? And, and to your point, they stagger them. They do all of these things. Uh, there's a reason they're as successful as they are. And um, it's about time the NHL, you know, takes a step and, and looks at that, you know, league as, as being the standard by which they go after, right? Yes. I mean, something as simple as TSN too. Right? I get five TSN stations and they all show the same game. Like, what is the point of that? <laughs> Let me see some different teams here. It is, something. It is unbelievable, right? Yeah, that, yeah, that we have all of these sports channels now anyway we're uh we're at the bottom of the hour uh 10 o'clock uh josh i you know what i've i've been wanting to rant about nhl live forever um we really didn't have enough time because i could probably spend a whole episode on the um on how much i hate that service and yet how much i need it as an oilers fan right uh, and a guy you know living in atlantic canada uh, again, um, you know, thank you for joining me today. Uh, for those of you that watch today or are going to listen to the podcast, um, you can follow Josh at Tough Call Pod, and then uh, follow his new uh, Twitter account as well. It's at NHL Call. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, you know, as I as I mentioned before, he is uh, he's a terrific uh, guy to follow. Uh, he's got different insights. Um, I don't think he cares whether you agree with them or or not. I think he wants you to, you know, have some interaction and discussion, like most good uh, folks on Twitter uh, do. Um, you know, and and um, you really, I th I think that we could all benefit from what what it is you're trying to do. Uh, you know, for our enjoyment of the game uh for sure I appreciate so, that. yeah so i do appreciate that and thanks for coming on with the uh, oilers live live stream uh join me here next tuesday 6 p.m mountain i've got jared brown he is the uh, head scout at draft pro hockey so they have just released their 2021 draft prospects guide of which i've got a copy and i'm going to peruse this upcoming week uh, the following week, I'm going to have uh, Sean Patrick Ryan at SPR, the Oil Night, for another Prospects episode. We're in that we're in that season. There's no Oilers hockey. We're going we'll sprinkle in a little bit of Stanley Cup uh, talk and and uh, maybe time time and again I'll uh, be uh, referring to uh, Tough Call here. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not too much. Let's uh, hopefully everybody keeps it clean. Uh, so thanks again, everybody, for joining me uh, tonight and. Um, uh, hope you enjoy the game tonight. We'll see you next week, Tuesday, 6 p.m. Uh, Mountain. Have a great night. Oh,